I don't know, Jasper. I think Aphex Twin and strobe lighting might be a bit much for a bunga bunga party. Don't get me wrong. I like Aphex Twin. I love strobe lighting. But think of all the people writhing around on the floor to that. Surely you want something a bit more gentle. And some pink gels on the lights? Food for thought. Hello, gorgeous creep. It is I, Piano Teeth, the skinless storyteller with the dulcet tones, coming in your ear and running riot around your head. Thank you so much for having me. Let's not dilly-dally this time, as I'm sure you're desperate to hear part two of Billy Piper Dimension Stepper. If you've not listened to part one yet, then what's wrong with you? Do you put your trousers on before your pants? Hmm? Off you go. Go on. If you have yet to listen to a single one of my audio delights, then I insist that you put an earlier eargasm into your brain and familiarize yourself with whatever the hell is going on here. And if you think this sounds intense, try living it, mush. But look, before we launch ourselves back into the story, I have to just quickly sell you some shit. Brace yourself for a good, hard dose of capitalism, courtesy of Cover Up. Cover Up is a service that makes things go away. Are you a celebrity that has done something wrong? Engaged in an act that could put you or your career in danger? Like letting everyone know what you really think about gay people, making love to a pig, or running over a child? Then you need Cover Up. At CoverUp, we understand that being famous is hard work and feel that celebrities should be rewarded and protected for the important work they do in society. So what if you made a mistake? You're learning and growing. You just couldn't see that red light. It was a very sexy pig. And hey, if you want to visit a convicted paedophile's private island to talk business on multiple occasions, then that is your God-given right as a prince or president of the United States. Normal people just don't understand, but we do. After contacting us, then we'll get to work right away, harassing journalists, smearing your accusers, and creating huge distractions are just some of the tools at your disposal, so you can get back to doing what you do best, being famous. Cover up, letting you be you. Okay, that's that over and done with. Yuck. I have no idea where that voice came from. The bleach is definitely kicking in. Buckle up, you sexy scumbag. We're going back in for more. Here is Billy Piper, Dimension Stepper, Part 2. Previously on Billy Piper Dimension Stepper. Taxi driver and generic northerner Keeley was enjoying her tuna sandwich and daydreaming of being Japanese when she came across a wounded Billy Piper in the road in need of her help. Being a huge Billy Piper fan, Keeley is only too happy to oblige and plops the pop star slash actor in the back of her cab and drives off. No need to question why Russell Brand and Eddie Redmayne are laying dead by a burning car. It's not long, however, before Noel Edmonds attacks them, wounding Keeley and battling Billy in the back of the taxi until she runs him through with her rune-covered sword. Keeley then offers to help Billy and they drive off to Stonehenge, hoping to find a convenient spot to dump Noel's body. Keeley, 
pulled the taxi up on Waterloo Bridge, and together, her and Billy managed to drag the body of Noel Edmonds out at the back of the cab and heave him up onto the side and pushed him off. Hawaiian shirt flapping and hair billowing, his body turned in the air so that he looked directly up at them until he plunged into the dark depths of the River Thames, where he was immediately eaten by a gang of coked-up eels in a feeding frenzy. So, what's going on? Keeley asked as she started the engine and began driving. Billy smiled at her newfound companion. It was all too large for now. Just, uh, just get me to Stonehenge, all right? That's all it needs to be. Keeley was about to protest when a scream erupted ahead of them. Billy! Standing, hands on hips with very high heels in a peach-coloured dress, her long blonde hair shining beneath the streetlight, was TV presenter Holly Willoughby. Keeley slammed on the brakes. And is that Philip Schofield behind her? Sure enough, coming up behind to stand beside Holly, wearing a tuxedo, was the silver fox himself. Philip Schofield. Keeley waved. They stood in the middle of the road, staring down at them, not waving back. Drive, said Billy. What? Drive. At them now. Do it. Go. What? No. Why? They've been sent to stop us, Keeley. What? They're here to kill us, Keeley. Holly and Phil. On cue the This Morning hosts sprang into action, unearthing an AK-47 and pump-action shotgun from within their tuxedo and ball gown respectively, they began advancing steadily down the bridge, towards the taxi. Drive, urged Billy. But Keeley was paralyzed. Unable to do anything, she just looked at Billy, confused. Look, said Billy, they are not who you think they are. Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield, they aren't real. They want me dead. And they will kill you too. Believe me. Keeley opened her mouth, trying to speak, but the words just wouldn't come. Yes, they were advancing on her with heavy weaponry, and yes, their eyes had turned jet black, and yes, when they opened their mouths, they definitely had fangs. But this was Holly and Phil, king and queen of the daytime TV realm, proud incumbents of the This Morning Sofa, able to segue with ease between stories about poverty-stricken families living on the breadline and an interview with Debbie, who claims the ghost of Genghis Khan fingers her in the bath. But he never went to Milton Keynes, Debbie. Why would he be there now? I guess we'll never know the answer, because at that moment Holly and Phil opened fire. Bullets ricocheted off the taxi and somehow kept missing the windscreen. I know. Lucky, right? This made Keeley's mind up for her. It's quite hard to have sympathy for someone when they point a gun at you, Billy Piper not included, and she never fired. So, with a roar, she pulled up the handbrake and accelerated towards them. They split into two, and Keeley steered towards Phil, who shrieked like a banshee. 
Billy Piper leant out the window, ducking and simultaneously levelling the gun at Holly Willoughby, who kept a steady spray of shotgun shells in their direction. Billy fired, and the bullet took that TV presenter right between the eyes. She staggered before falling over the side of the bridge, disappearing into the dark waters below. Phil looked over to where his co-host had once stood, feeling her death inside his heart, his soul split in two, and with a gut-wrenching, ear-splitting howl, pointed his gun straight at Keeley just as she ploughed her taxi right into him. He folded over the bonnet, surprise etched on his features before he was dragged beneath the wheels. Keeley saw his crumpled body emerge in her rearview window. She stopped, put the gear stick into reverse and went back over him once more. Then she went forward, and then back, then forward, then back a bit, then a bit more, then forward again, and back then forward, and back again, then forward, and then back, then forward, and then back, until, finally, Billy Piper pulled up the handbrake for her. Not for the first time that evening, Keeley felt out of her depth, and she sat rigidly in her seat, hands glued to the wheel, staring out on the road. Are you okay? Billy asked. Keeley screamed, which seemed to help, and after a deep breath, screamed a little bit more. They tried to kill me, Keeley finally said after she stopped screaming. Billy nodded. Black eyes and fangs. Billy nodded and lit a cigarette, offering it to Keeley, who didn't smoke anymore, but... You would, wouldn't you, given the circumstances, so let's not judge her, okay? They sat, smoking in silence. What's going on, Billy? Keeley finally said. Billy looked at her and smiled. You've done so well, and been so brave, and I have asked so much of you. I just, I need you to take me to Stonehenge as fast as possible, and I promise I will tell you on the way. Keeley looked into her eyes. Maybe it was the shock. Maybe it was the desperation. Maybe it was the fact that this was none other than Billy Piper. But Keeley believed her. Besides, she didn't have much choice. So... Let me get this straight, right? Keeley said as they wound their way along the Wiltshire backroads. Earth is part of a vast intergalactic empire run by a race called the, uh, the Carcany, yeah? And what they do is come to a planet, shapeshift to look like the inhabitants, taking on the form of cultural, spiritual and political leaders, celebrities, right? And they then manipulate everyone into this, what? sedated state of sadness, fear, apathy and division, all the while they're rinsing the planet of every single natural resource they possibly can and make us think it's our idea. Okay, and you, Billy Piper, are also an alien, but part of an ancient order of warriors called the Dimension Steppers, right? Which is why you've got a nice sword 
And these dimension watsits have been part of a resistance that's been battling the Carcany for thousands of years. And you got sent to Earth to infiltrate the Carcany as a pop star and actor, risking everything whilst hiding in plain sight and simultaneously winning over the British public with number one records and heartfelt performances. But now you've stolen that little pyramid thing in your bag from Sir Lenny Henry's house. What was it called? The Solar Decks. And that is one of the ancient relics of the Dimension Steppers and gives the Carcany control over the planet that they're oppressing. But when combined with the other relics on the shield of the fallen warrior at the altar of, um, Masgrathula. Masgrathula, right, in the gardens of Fraxiduda, Fraxidavterma, whatever, then the pathway through the Cave of Souls will be lit, and the chosen one, whoever that may be, will be able to cross the fire bridge after singing Uri Bla, the snake goddess, to sleep, and then using the dimension scrolls, will be able to summon the sun dragon, which will be really bloody helpful in your ongoing intergalactic war for freedom, right? And the hidden portal, to get away safely, is at Stonehenge. But these Karkany obviously want to stop you, hence why we're now being followed by a gang of murderous celebrities. Fuck me. Uh, yeah, that's about right. And actually a very succinct summary of the lengthy, complex conversation we just had. Billy said, thankful that she didn't have to explain herself all over again. Not for the first time that evening, Keeley felt out of her depth. It was a lot to take in, and understandably she had a lot of questions. But of everything she'd heard, one thing in particular sprang into her mind. The realization howled its way round her whole body before hitting her right in the gut. The taxi came to a screeching halt, and Billy, without warning, was flung forward, snapped back by the seatbelt. What's going on? she asked, looking over at Keeley, who sat, head bowed, eyes closed, and jaw clenched. Billy put a hand on her shoulder. What is it? But Keeley muttered something, shrugging her off. What? Billy asked, and then shrank back as Keeley turned to face her, her eyes filled with pain and fury. You're not Billy Piper. You are. You. You're not Billy Piper, are you, Billy Piper? What do you mean? Call some Billy Piper, said Billy Piper. Oh, Billy Piper, stop saying you're Billy Piper when you're not Billy Piper. Billy Piper looked confused. Lies, lies, lies. Holly and Phil aren't Holly and Phil. Noel Edmonds isn't Noel Edmonds. Nothing is true and nothing's real, including Billy Piper. And that's the only reason I'm here, for you, for what I thought you were, Billy Piper. But it turns out that Billy Piper isn't even Billy Piper. You're nothing but an alien, pretending to be Billy Piper, letting Britain believe in Billy Piper, letting me believe in Billy Piper. And now, here I am, sat with Billy Piper, and you're not even Billy Piper. She sat back in her seat. I was there, 
right from the beginning, you know. Why you got to play that song so loud? Because we want to. Because we want to. Incredible. That spoke to me. And from then on, well, I was the bee to your honey, Billy Piper. I was there. Walk of life. I was there where no one else was. And your transition into acting. You were the best Doctor Who companion there's ever been. Penny Dreadful, Secret Diary, Ruby in the Smoke. I was there. Yerma, I was there. That's right. I even went to the theatre for you, Billy Piper, and sat through an entire play. No interval. And it was actually really, really good. And when you lifted that award for your acting, the Lawrence Olive Oil, there, cheering you on, on the telly. I nearly died tonight, Billy Piper. I ran over not Philip Schofield many times. And you let me do that, knowing that you were the only reason why I were doing it. <laughs> you say all these other celebrities are fake. How are you any different? The two women sat, staring out the window. The air hung heavy, with too many possibilities of what could be said. So in the end, nothing was. Billy looked down at her feet, spotting the curly-whirly fallen into the footwell. She picked it up, unpeeling the wrapper, and offered it to Keeley, who took it, grateful for the sugar hit. Billy lit a fag, sighing as the smoke escaped into the cold night air. Okay, yes, I am from another dimension, which must be really difficult for you. And I can see that whilst I take a lot of the intergalactic stuff for granted, for you, it must be really new and big and scary. And it is. It really is. It's huge. Which is why I forgot the reason why I'm fighting this war. The reason why I'm here. Keely, I've been so focused on the fate of multiple universes worth of, of people, shall we say, that I stopped thinking about the people right here and how they must feel. I meant it when I said I didn't want to get you involved. But you're right. You were already involved. I should have told you, there and then. But how could I? This is so much bigger than... Look, I am an interdimensional space warrior on a mission to liberate this and many other planets from an evil empire. But I am also Billy Piper. Pop star, actor, whatever Billy Piper is to you, I am that, completely and utterly. I was there too. I sang those songs, I played those parts, and I loved it. I really did. But as well as that, in bits that you couldn't see, I was doing all this other stuff. And I'm going to carry on doing it. If you want to drop me off here, turn round, go back home, that is completely understandable. It's going to be dangerous. Really dangerous.
I don't want you to die because of me. I want you to be free. That's all. You should have said no deal, Noel. What? When you stabbed him, Noel Edmonds. You should have said no deal, Noel. Not like the show he did. Would have been a good line. The two women looked at each other and laughed. Come on, Billy Piper. Let's get you to Stonehenge. Really? You don't have to. I know, but I've come this far. And it's an adventure. Like in Doctor Who. Brilliant. Let's go. Hello, you are listening to One Radio with me, Dave Chris, and that last song was No Sweat by the Prince Andrews. Now, I'm sure, like me, you woke up this morning hearing the news of Billy Piper losing her mind. Yes, that is right. It has been revealed that the pop star and actor Billy Piper has been working undercover for ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and was doing a bit of admin for the IRA plotting not only to kill the Queen, but also doing wanton acts of vandalism around our capital city. I mean, can you believe it? And apparently last night, and this is, I mean, this is evil. She not only murdered Russell Brand and Eddie Redmayne, who were enjoying a late night drive together, but also Noel Edmonds, Holly Willoughby, and Philip Schofield, who very bravely tried to apprehend her after she burnt down Shakespeare's globe and did a poo on the statue of Winston Churchill. The nation is mourning today, and rightly so. Look, as a celebrity myself, I can tell you that the blue tick community is grieving. You've got to understand, when there's a tragedy and members of the public die, it's sad, we get it, okay? But when a famous person dies, I'm sure you'll agree, grief takes on a whole new layer of meaning. Because, as you know, celebrities are worth more than normal people. If I had to put a number on it, I'd say it was five. Yeah, five normies to every one celeb. And so, to that calculation, last night we lost... 25 people. Wow. Let that sink in. 25 people. My God. We're going to be discussing this for the rest of the show, as well as playing Identity Bingo. And I've got new music for you from a group of girls. But first of all, it's the news. It's now time for the news with me, Serious Voiceman. Pop star, actor and terrorist Billy Piper is wanted for treason, arson, pooping and the murder of five celebrities. 
Authorities warn that she is extremely dangerous and was last seen leaving London in a black cab with another female accomplice, a black woman going by the name of Keeley, who's from somewhere up north. Sir Lenny Henry and Richard Curtis have pledged this year's Comic Relief Fund for their capture, dead or alive. Let's have that off, shall we? They drove on, silently through the darkness, wondering what lay ahead. Keeley pulled the taxi into the petrol station's forecourt. They'd been running on empty for a while. Billy jumped out as well. You fill her up, I'll pay. I need to go to the loo anyway. Loo? Yeah. Why's that weird? I just thought, dunno. You being a dimension stepper, you wouldn't do that sort of thing. Everyone has to shit, Keeley. Stay alert, I won't be long, Billy called back as she strode in. As Keeley put the pump back in the holster, she noticed a very smart Rolls-Royce pulling up alongside the garage shop. A tall man stepped out, wearing a smart, three-piece suit. It was Stephen Fry, actor, writer, presenter, author, and national treasure, Stephen Bloody Fry. And whereas before Keeley would have rushed over to get an autograph, recent celebrity experiences checked her. What was she to do? Billy was in there, minding her own business, having a shit, none the wiser that Stephen Fry was lurking. She wouldn't be able to warn her in time, and it's not like she had any super alien powers. She was just Keeley. Boring, normal Keeley. That was it. She was normal. Stephen Fry hadn't noticed her when he walked in. To him, she was just a regular member of the public, just another one to smile at politely. She was basically invisible. She walked very calmly across the forecourt towards the shop, trying to draw as little attention to her unremarkable self as possible. She walked in. He was there at the counter chatting with the shopkeeper as he bought a Mars bar. And you see, in this rather humble yet most stalwart of confectionery, we can see the remarkable impact that the ancient Greeks have on our lives today. Telephone, television, telescope, which one would use to look out into the galaxy. Another one, and wander amongst the planets. And another. Phobia, panic, and narcissism are all ancient Greek and lead us nicely to democracy. And what is democracy without a healthy dose of cynicism? I can hear you thinking now, oh, Come now, Stephen, are the ancient Greeks really that great? To which I would say, yes, and that lowest form of wit which you display is also owed to our Hellenic friends. Blah! He was interrupted by Keeley, wrapping a fire extinguisher around the back of his head. He staggered backwards, falling to the floor and holding his hands up. But Keeley didn't stop. Take that, you evil carcany bastard. Keely shouted as she rained blows down upon him. Billy Piper, hearing the carnage, came running out of the toilet after finishing wiping to see a wild-eyed and panting Keely holding a blooded fire extinguisher with a very, very, and I mean very, dead Stephen Fry laying at her feet. Don't worry, Billy. I got him. 
Is that Stephen Fry? Aye. Or should we say, one of the evil Carcany overlords pretending to be Stephen Fry? Billy, seeing the righteous bloodlust in Keeley's eyes, and being well aware of the shopkeeper cowering in the corner, thought quickly. She needed to get them out of the shop and away. Okay, well done, mate. Let's get out of here. Quickly. Keeley nodded. You still need to pay. Billy looked at the shopkeeper, who shook his head, holding his hands up. It's fine, said Billy. Come on, let's go. It's a good job I saw him, Billy, or he would have caught you, pants down, literally. Keeley excitedly recounted the events as she drove through the darkness. Billy said nothing, keeping her eyes on the road ahead. The thing was, and it was totally her fault for not saying it in the first place, not all celebrities were carcany. Some were just your normal, everyday, common garden celebrity. And Stephen Fry was, well, just Stephen Fry. But how do you tell someone that rather than rid the world of an evil alien oppressor, they've just murdered a national treasure? And the thing is, right, Keeley went on, I love Stephen Fry. Or loved, you know, what he was. Or what it was he pretended to be, eh? Eh? Any other time, I'd have been straight in there. Selfie, autograph, hugs, the works. He was like an uncle to me. But these are different times, aren't they? We can't let our feelings get in the way. It's kill or be killed with these famous folk. Billy decided not to tell her. Keeley was already out of her depth, and this would probably drown her. In the grand scheme, some things were best left unsaid. Billy and Keeley arrived at Stonehenge just before dawn. The air hummed with the excitement of sunrise and what was probably going to be a pretty epic fight. Yes, yes, but not yet, not yet. Calm down, you bloodthirsty pervert. <laughs> Keeley pulled the taxi in, just down the road from the visitor centre. She looked up the hill to see the ring of ancient rocks that had stood on their piece of land, shouldering the sky for thousands of years. What power they must hold, the voices of the past echoing all about them, brimming with might, magic and mystery. Is the portal in the middle of the stones then? Nah, it's in the disabled toilet in the cafe. But I can see why you think that, because well, it's a very dramatic place, isn't it? No, look, Keely, are you sure you want to do this? Come with me. You can go back now. You'd ask me that, Billy Piper, like I'm going to go home. After what we've been through tonight. No chance. I'm exhausted, scared and confused. But I've never felt so alive. I've got celebrity blood on me hands and shit in me knickers. I am seeing this through to the end. Billy scowled. When did you poo your pants? When you pointed the gun at me. Shat myself. That was ages ago, Keely. I know. You're not the only one who can keep secrets, Billy Piper. Hmm? Hmm? They got out the car and stalked through the darkness up the path towards the visitor centre. Crouching in some bushes, their hearts fell at the sight before them. 
A horde of celebs were stood, waiting. Keeley had never seen so many famous people in one place. She spotted Jeremy Clarkson sharpening an axe. Big Nasty stood in a chariot smoking a spliff, yelling encouragement at Sandy Toxvig, who was doing press-ups with Hugh Edwards on her back. And there was Vernon Kay, who, as ever, just looked happy to be there. David Mitchell, Jamelia, Gary Lineker, Nish Kumar, Noel and Liam Gallagher, Jonathan Ross, the list went on. And that was only the celeb she knew. There were a host of other people gathered that could well have been famous, but she had no idea. Billy bristled next to her. She'd caused too much of a disturbance, left too obvious a trail of destruction behind her, and now the Carcany were waiting for her. There were too many for them to fight through. They stood no chance. And it wasn't just her life she was putting in danger. She looked over to Keeley, who looked back at her, smiling, and whispered excitedly, Look, it's Ken Barlow. I don't know who that is, Keeley. Keeley frowned. Ken Barlow. Ken. Barlow. Billy shook her head. He's only the longest-serving TV actor in the world, Ken Barlow. He's been in Coronation Street since, like, 1960, the first ever episode. Look, he's over there, chatting to Rita Ora. The sky was filled with the whirring hum of a helicopter, coming to hover above the visitor centre before descending, scattering the celebs below. Idris Elba stepped out, his long coat billowing behind, until the blades came to rest. Keeley, not taking her eyes off him, leaned into Billy Piper and muttered, I know he's an evil carcany bastard, but the only reason I would kick that man out of bed would be to fuck him on the floor. Billy nodded. Any sign of her? Idris called. None, said Jeremy Clarkson. And we've just been stood around like a bunch of Dutchmen in a chicken coop. What's that supposed to mean? said Idris. I have no idea. I just generally say things in this voice in the hope that something happens, like, uh, French people poo wrong. Right. Has anyone gone to the actual stones? Yes, we've sent Noel Fielding and some Love Island contestants, said Sandy Toxvig. Okay, stay alert. She's nearby. Jeremy Clarkson drew himself up to his full height. Uh, who put you in charge, Elba? Ice cream is gay. I did. A voice came from within the helicopter. Clarkson swallowed, nervously as Idris smiled, before moving aside to reveal Alan Carr. Here, what was that about ice cream being gay? Clarkson's lips quivered. Come on, Jeremy, you've always got something to say. What do you mean about ice cream being gay? Uh, uh, well, you know me, Alan. I just say things, it was a joke. I was joking. Alan Carr looked at Clarkson over his spectacles. There was a deathly silence as everyone waited for his reaction. After what seemed like an age, he grinned and burst out laughing. The rest of the celebs joined in. 
Oh, Jeremy, what are we going to do with you? Ice cream's gay. You're so funny, Jeremy. <laughs> Clarkson laughed along, relieved. I just say things. <laughs> I just say things. Alan suddenly stopped laughing. Yeah, you do. You just keep talking, don't you? Sean, Sean, can you come out here? The giggling crowd of celebs went quiet as Sean Bean stepped out of the helicopter. He wore a red Adidas tracksuit. In one hand, he held a Ginster's pasty, which he munched on appreciatively. In the other, he held the handle of a huge two-handed sword, its blade resting on his shoulder. Sean, can you kill Jeremy, please, love? Thanks. With a nod, Sean finished the pasty and strode over to Jeremy Clarkson, who backed away, terrified, only to find his exit blocked by Big Nasty and Lorraine Kelly. For the first time in his life, Clarkson found he had nothing to say, and he stood, paralyzed with fear, eyes wide and breathless as his executioner approached. Sean Bean readied the blade in both hands, and with a simple... Bustard, took Jeremy Clarkson's head off. The body stayed still, like it was being held upright by string, an uncanny illusion of normality for a couple of seconds before it crumpled like a marionette. The head sailed through the air before landing at David Beckham's feet. He looked into the eyes of Jeremy Clarkson and had a tremendous urge to kick the dismembered head. You know, just a bit. Because you would wouldn't you? But he stopped himself. Alan Carr did, though. Running over, he punted the curly celeb as hard as he could so that it sailed over the famous onlookers' heads and landed just before the bush where Keeley and Billy Piper hid. They immediately froze, and Keeley watched in horror as Clarkson winked at her before saying, And on that bombshell, good night! Just always wanted to kick ahead, you know, said Alan Carr to David Beckham before turning to the others. Does anyone else think ice cream's gay or have a problem with who's in charge? The other celebs shook their heads. Idris Elba stepped forward. We know that there is a portal round here, somewhere, but we don't know where. It's been hidden by the old magic. The other celebs shifted anxiously. She's got the solar decks, and if she manages to get away with it, then the Empire is in serious trouble. Do you understand? The celebs nodded their heads. Good. Now, wakey-wakey. Billy Piper's on her way, and I want that bitch bought down. Alan Carr clapped his hands. Billy tugged on Keeley's elbow and nodded for them to move away. Silently, they stalked through the bushes until they came to where they'd left the taxi. They crouched down, looking at the battered car. It was all alone in the car park and very exposed. All right, Keeley, said Billy. Here's what we'll do. But before she could relay her plan, she felt what she hoped was a gun pressed into her back. Well, 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 what do we have here? 
they turned to be met by a grinning David Baddiel and Frank Skinner. Billy Piper and you, said Baddiel. You two have caused quite a disturbance, killing our mates, taking our solar decks. But, said Frank Skinner, it's coming home, eh? It's coming home. Billy spat on the floor in disgust at that crowbarred reference, which I'm sure we can all agree was utterly vile and incredibly lazy. Keeley shook with rage. That song only works in a football context. How dare they bring it here to this, a hostage situation, had they no respect. The two comedians sniggered, which only pissed the ladies off even more. Luckily, however, all of our prayers were answered and an arrow appeared in Frank Skinner's throat. Gargling, he fell to the floor. David Baddiel, who normally would have had something to say about this, found himself distracted by the blade sticking out of his stomach. He looked down at it, confused as to how it got there, then at Billy, as if she might have some answers. The blade disappeared, then reappeared, then went away again, then came back, and David Baddiel's search for answers was over, as his mind turned all of its attention to being dead. As his body slumped to the floor, Billy and Keeley saw their saviours, two little round old ladies wearing white robes. One of them had a shaved head, her pale skin covered in swirling shapes and symbols. In her hand was a vicious-looking sword. The other had a long plait that hung all the way down her spine as silver as the moon, with skin as dark as midnight. She held a curved bow. Her fingers were bedecked with rings. Both had huge grins. Good to see you, Billy Piper, said the lady with the sword. My name is Bev. And my name is Meave, said the long-haired archer, as she plucked the arrow out of Frank Skinner's eye. Billy smiled. Druids, she asked the two old women. They nodded, and Billy hugged them both. Keeley had never met Druids before, and, as I'm sure you also do, had a lot of questions about their involvement. However, based on recent events, decided to just take it in her stride. I'm Keeley, she said, and was welcomed into the group hug. There's a load of carcany round the portal, said Billy. Too many. Yeah, we know, said Meave. Get in the taxi. We're going to the stones. Ugh. The bleach has run out again, my gorgeous creep, leaving us once more dangling from a cliff edge. Worry not, I'm as desperate as you to see this through. It's just that my brain needs a break and the bathwater's gone cold. Don't forget to like, subscribe and follow me on Insta at the underscore piano underscore teeth. You can have a look at my little nasties. And of course, please share me with your friends. I promise I won't talk about you too much. And it goes without saying that I bear no ill will 
to the famous people mentioned, nor should it be taken seriously. It's the bleach to blame. Besides, no sane or rational human being should really ever listen to a single word that comes out of my mouth. Until next time, my sexy scumbag. Be well. <laughs>